Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, celebrate your amazing singular self, hone your message, and make an impact on the world. Today's episode is brought to you by the word grit, a fierce four-letter word meaning courage, resolve, and strength of character. It's also the title of one of my favorite books by researcher Angela Duckworth, who found that grit, which she defines as a combination of passion and perseverance for a singularly important goal, is the hallmark of high achievers in every domain. It's certainly an essential part of camera readiness, and joining me to discuss is legendary talent agent Babette Perry. Babette is a partner at Innovative Artists, Talent, and Literary, where she runs the broadcast hosting division. This is especially fun for me because Babette and I have known each other forever. We grew up in the industry together, married and raised our kids at the same time, and have navigated so much with a deep understanding of the value and importance of grit. I am so excited to do this and uh, thrilled to share this moment with you, Babette. So welcome. Hello. Thank you. I'm so excited. So we go back. Okay. We don't even want to, you know, a million and one years. So talk to me about why the word grit resonates with you. Well, I think that in life and whether it's business or personal situations, having, as you know, I have two kids that play college football and my husband played uh, for Buffalo and Green Bay and his father played for Vince Lombardi and coached four Super Bowls and played in the first two Super Bowls. And now I'm dealing with like a third generation of this right now. And so I understand what it means to bet on yourself. I mean, I know that my son, uh, my sons walked on and earned scholarships. They were not given scholarships right after high school, even though they were everything and anything, you know, as far as, you know, what, what you're supposed to achieve from a, an athlete. Um, and I also look at the quarterback from the Alabama Georgia game, the quarterback from Georgia. And I, I, I do a lot of sports analogies just because it's part of my life, but here's a kid who also walked on, who had to go through a lot of adversity. And I like to tell people my own personal family stories because they're, they're very similar to my career. But like when I look at, I'll take Shay, for example, Shay, my youngest broke his back. Um, the chances oh of him God. playing college football were zero. And he was determined uh, that he was going to do everything and anything he could to get on that field. So he walked onto UCLA. He proved himself through different coaching changes. And then he got hurt and then he got COVID. And this year, as you probably heard, the Holiday Bowl was canceled because of COVID. And so the kids are ready to get on the field. And then all of a sudden, they know all the scouts are going to be there. And for many of these kids who want to play the next level, like that was everything. And then several hours before the game, they just canceled it. And it was the most heart-drenching thing. But what, what, it, what it talks about is grit. So when I look at Shay and I look at the fact that he never felt sorry for himself, he just was focused and disciplined and did his rehab, took a pillow to school every day and proved to himself that he is going to get a scholarship someday. And now he's playing football for UCLA. And then when I look at my oldest child who also had a lot of um, insane things that happen. I mean, we're going back to going to Arizona, having some stuff that went down there, going to APU, and then having APU lose their football program after 55 years, and then go through surgery, and then go through this injury, ending up going on the portal, which for most people in, 
in sports, this is the new place to go when you're not playing and you need to get some playing time. But in the case of Lee, he had to go on the portal because his football program just went away in 24 hours and he had two weeks to find a football program. So he goes to the University of Sioux Falls, South Dakota and our family. I mean, if you're talking about Schitt's Creek, that was me with my high heels walking around going, <laughs> are you serious? Like I'm looking at the weather caster I'm looking at the anchor and the reporter, and then I'm turning the channels as I normally do when I'm looking for talent. And I'm like, Ronnie, I must be jet lagged, but they all look exactly the same. The hair, same hairstyle, the same everything. And he goes, no, they are the same. I said, wait, the affiliates <laughs> have the same broadcasters? Like ABC, CBS, and NBC have the same broadcaster? This is crazy. This is insane. But it was true. So it was definitely Shit's Creek. And I dropped my son off in the middle of the country. And I remember going to my first tailgating party and I had my mask on as I should. And everybody was like, what are you doing? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what is wrong with you? I go, well, in California, we wear masks. Like we don't wear masks here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So then I realized really honestly how different the world was. So when I look at my husband's father, Elijah Pitts, he went to Philander Smith, an all black school. And, you know, the chances of that man getting to get to Vince Lombardi is grit. It was grit. I mean, no, that just doesn't happen. You don't come from a school like that and then have someone like a Vince Lombardi find you and then eventually play in these two Super Bowls. Even when I look at, you know, Ron in my husband's career, like things didn't come to him easily. I mean, there was a lot of things that he had to go through to get to where he was in his career. And so I'm just I love that word so much because it really has an impact on me personally you know with the kids with Ron with his dad but even in my own personal life like I've mm -hmm. gone through three mergers or two major mergers in my career where you know the the little guy comes in and buys the big guy and the next thing you know you have what you think is like the top client list and you find yourself in transition and you're like whoa how did that happen but it happened twice and it could have happened three times the way that the new news that came out this last year with the CA and the ICM situation. But I have found that nothing has come easy. Like I put myself through college, which, you know, I paid off my guaranteed student loans. I literally understand the value of paying for an education, working till midnight every single day because you love your job so much. You're so passionate about what you do. And I didn't even look at that as being gritty. I just looked at that as, at the time, as what I have to do to succeed. Like, I'm not looking at the clock. I'm not looking at overtime. I have no HR situation. I'm just trying to get ahead in my career. And being passionate and loving what you do is the most important thing. And so I always tell people, you always have to enjoy the process as much as the outcome. Like if you're not enjoying your job every day as you get to where you, and you can't look and like, okay, in two years, if I don't get to this place, then I've failed. No, the process of getting there is so important. And then when you get there, then it's just such an incredible reward, but it, it's so important that you enjoy that process. And that process is grit. Let me tell you, it's not really sexy, like working till 10, 11 o'clock at night and going through contracts and doing all these things. And like, there's a lot of grit. There's a lot of work that goes into being an agent. But the most important thing is 
not ever giving up and always believing in your clients and yourself. And I think that's really important too, because I can remember early on in my career, I remember a lot of fun stories, but one of them was me calling Tom, uh, I was representing Tom Bergeron. I called Les Moonves. <laughs> I, I think the most beautiful thing when people ask me about like, what is your advice? And like my advice about success and learning this industry is the like don't look at the rules like I'm glad that I didn't see any rules I'm glad that nobody told me I couldn't pick up the phone and call Les Moonves or at the time Jeff Zucker or all gosh it was Mike Ovitz and I mean I just didn't know that you weren't supposed to do that so I remember calling Les Moonves and saying you have to meet this Tom Bergeron I called Tom Bergeron said you have a meeting with Les Moonves. <laughs> he goes, are you sure he doesn't think it's Tom Berenger? And I'm like, oh, geez, I hope not. <laughs> like, oh, it's a little late now. And then I remember the same thing with Ovitz. I'm like, I really believe in this guy, this Matt Lauer guy. And he's like, he really wants to meet me. What did you tell him? And I said, I told him you're like one of the best talents in the country. But then I didn't have that many clients. So I didn't have a lot to lose because I'm like, all right. And then the next one, what was the other one? It was Oh God, over and over again. Greg Kinnear. I remember Greg. I was like, this guy is the funniest guy in the whole world. I mean, there's no one funnier than Greg Kinnear. And I think at the time it was Jim Peritori that I was trying to pitch him to. And Greg's like, they went for that? <laughs> yeah. So you have to just really be passionate and you also can't be afraid because being naive and not really knowing the rules was really, really helpful to me in my career, especially when I got into bigger agencies when I had to fend for myself. I had to create and develop these relationships. I had no one that was gonna make those introductions and do that, but I, it was just- Can we talk for a second about yeah. being the only woman in the room then? Uh, you know, what's so interesting about that. Honestly, if I have to be honest with you, I never really looked at the whole thing, the whole Helen Reddy thing, or I am the only female in the room. Okay, but that is how old you and I are, that we reference Helen Reddy and I am yeah. woman, hear me roar. So for everyone who's, you know, under 40, okay, Google. Okay, keep going, sorry. No, no, but I remember <laughs> like growing up, I actually wrote a report on Gloria Steinem. And I remember like not even knowing that like when I was, 12 or 13 years old that these women had such an impact um, because I was so curious about them. The, the truth of the matter is, is that as much as yes, at the time that I was always, it felt like, but there were some other really strong women when you think about the film business, maybe not so much in television, but I never really had time to think, to be honest with you, I worked so hard 24 seven that I was, I had tunnel vision. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know that certain things were going on because I was so busy in my job that I didn't really have time to like, you know, now that I read about everyone's books and I'm hearing all these stories, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and, and I was, I don't know, I have a lot of integrity. I have really strong values and I never, ever put myself in any weird position. And so I just, I think I was just so focused and disciplined on the job that I didn't really have time to think about it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you too, how much does Faith go hand in hand with grit. Faith or fate? Faith. Faith. Oh, I believe, honestly, I think a lot. Like, I mean, there is not a day that I don't say my prayers and have incredible grace about all the great things that have happened to me and all the tough things that have happened to mm -hmm. 
think about like, how did you get through that? There were a lot of things. There's, there's betrayal in our business. There's a lot of times in my life where people surprised me. And I think I was born, I was raised in Northern California. I had parents that told me that I could do anything. I really believed in myself. I had a lot of confidence and I came from a really small community. I have the same best friends from high school and junior high as I do today. And I really felt that that foundation and that security that I got from my family really, really prepped me for doing a job like this because there is a lot of crazy things that happen. And there were a lot of not so great things that have happened to me. And, um, and then a lot of times I like, like, how could this happen? Like you have such trust and belief. And I remember going back to another football analogy, but my husband used to tell me like, just be careful, you're replaceable. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm replaceable? Cause he played in the NFL and there's always a backup corner to take your position and there's always a backup quarterback and so he always used to say just be careful like you are replaceable I'm like wait I have great clients I have great relationships like do you really think that this could happen and and I didn't mean to be naive but I was naive because trust was super important to me so then when I had my first go at it we're like wow that was awful like I can't believe it happened to me it was him telling me, he was basically preparing me for mm -hmm. the real world. And like in the NFL, a new coach comes along, new quarterback happens, you know, you are replaceable. And in our business, you are replaceable. And you just have to have faith and grit and just hope that you have clients that will be loyal, which they have been. Like I have to say, like when I look at people like Phil Kogan from The Amazing Race and now Tough as Nails, he has been with me like half my life. It feels like, like he literally has been in my career thick and thin through every single adversity that I went through, but it is his kindness and grace and loyalty that gives me faith in our business to just keep fighting. And I want to fight for these clients. My job is my hobby. You know, I love talking about Phil for a second because fun fact, I don't know if you remember this, but it was... I hired Phil for a like VH1 karaoke show or something uh -huh. that got him his visa. That's amazing. Thank like you. He Mark. was just this amazing talent from New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And when he got the amazing race, I understood this is just a fun thing that happens like behind the scenes and how television's developed. It made sense to me that he got hired for not only is he amazing on camera, but most people know it's like he's an extreme everything. And he's the kind of person you could drop from a helicopter on a mountain and he could ski down. Right. And so like he, the whole point was when they were developing that show, they love him because he could win the amazing race. Right. And, then it, and then as the show goes into production, they realize we don't need the host to compete on the show. We just need the host to host. So all right. this amazing, like I can jump out of the sky and ski down a mountain didn't, didn't play into the show, but I've always, I, and I just feel like he has amazing strength of character and inner resolve. So I wanted like shift a second to actually talk about some of your other clients and where you've seen grit make a difference in someone who has a long sustainable career, because I think it is where people drop off, you know, flame out and then. I mean, I love that story that used to be told to me, like if they did a syndicated show, they cannot get hired again. And so I've proven everybody wrong. Like I, I'm like, wait, this person has amazing talent. What makes you think that this 
talent can, is- can we, can we, I want to back up one second, because again, you're <laughs> dropping so many gems for people to hear. So there are lots of things that happen in the industry. So like, I agree with you. Like, to me, that's a limiting belief. It's false, but we see examples. So walk us through this whole false narrative. Like if you get a syndicated show, which seems like the holy grail, but it's not. But if you get one, what? You can't get hired to do something else? What? Well, I mean, it used to be that way. It used to be like Arthel Neville is a good example. I, I had Arthel very early on in her career and she was the first African-American to host an entertainment magazine show, if you can believe that. And that was extra. I was told that when X, you know, like when extra went away that she couldn't do that. And then from there we did another syndicated talk show. And that was a talk show that was with, I think Dorothy Lucy and that group from Fox, you know, that we did. And then they said, you know, once that happens and you work at Fox news, you probably won't get hired by CNN. And then, so we had her at Fox news and then she got hired by CNN. So okay, Beth, interrupting again, how did you do that? Cause I know that you fight for your clients. Yeah. So walk me through though, what that, how that's your own grit that you were, and that goes back to what we talked about earlier. I mean, now you're no longer naive, but there's some part of you that says you don't buy into the to these limited, these blocks. Well, I, and I, I had this concept of rules are meant to be broken because if I don't break them, who's going to break them. Right. And so I really felt like, I mean, I had so many people nay naysayers saying that Arthel was never going to work in television again once a show was canceled or something like that. But a lot of it, you, know, a lot of it has to do with your relationship with people. Mm -hmm. I was a very, 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 very young agent when Arthel was doing a pilot for NAPTI. It was a talk show, the Arthel Neville show with at the time multimedia with a gentleman named Bob Turner. And then Jim Peritore came around and said, oh my gosh, we're, we're, we're going to do this new magazine show. It's going to NAPTI and Arthel would be perfect for it. And so my position on that was, well, she's got a deal with Bob Turner and multimedia and they really believed in her and you're kind of a little bit late, but then I'm like, the talk show was not a shoe-in. The magazine show was a shoe-in. So this is where relationships are super, super important because I do not exploit or do anything disrespectful to my buyers. They're super important to me. And so I had to call Bob Turner and say, this is the worst call that an agent should ever make to someone of your stature and what you have done, which is to believe in my client. But I don't think that show's gonna get sold. And, and I know the marketplace is really tough right now, but this show is sold and this is gonna turn her life into something incredible. And he was not happy at all. And I don't blame him because that is not a call that I felt comfortable making. But I also knew that he knew that that show was probably not gonna get sold. So he doesn't get, there's a lot of people that don't get credit that do deserve credit and he gets credit from the bottom of my heart because he let her out of her deal right before napti which was against any kind of thing that any executive would do but he was morally right and he did the right thing morally because he knew that it was a gamble for him but it wasn't a gamble for warner brothers and territory because that was a absolute hundred percent go so I really want to look at someone like Bob Turner and go, you're the hero because you did something that did not help you, but you knew helped her in her career. Mm. So that doesn't happen very often, but the same thing happened with Fox, you know, with Roger Ailes. I went to Roger and said, 
what do you think her future is here? He goes, well, I love her. I said, well, this is a one, this is a tough one because I said, CNN wants to make an offer for her own, you know, a big show. I know this is a horrible thing to do. And, and, but I'm going to you because to be honest with you, I'm not going to CNN unless you have approval over it because you gave her a shot when, when she needed a job. This is after all these other things and you made it happen for her. I think because I went to him and didn't go behind his back, but went to him directly, he let her out. He let her do it. And she got her job at Fox back because as I say to everyone, it's not the message. It's how you deliver the message. Mm-hmm. It really is important to show integrity and respect. And that is not easy in this business because this is dog eat dog. But I go back to even looking at Tom Bergeron. I mean, Tom is one of the most successful male talents in the country. There is nothing that Tom Bergeron can't do. And when I think about, you know, when he was, he did Hollywood Squares and I remember that Roger King came to me and said, I understand there's another company interested in him doing his own talk show, but I went and sold another year of Hollywood Squares and, and you have a, you're, you're out. Like, you don't have to do this. And I'm like, called Tom and I said, look, got a call from Roger. I know we have a huge opportunity to do a talk show, which is my dream for you, but Roger has kept you employed for all these years. I, I think we should do the right thing. And again, it was a relationship. And of course, Tom has incredible integrity when it comes to this stuff. And he said, you're right. Like, that's the thing I really love is that my clients trust me and they believe that by doing the right thing, we'll end up, it it is the right thing to give him another year. Why would I not do that? But yes, it is the right thing for Tom to have a new show, but you really have to give back to the people that gave you those opportunities. And that's something that we don't do enough of. And this business doesn't always, it should be about loyalty. And it isn't always about that. But for me, it's all about loyalty. And part of that loyalty in, in a weird way is grit. Grit, it's relationships. It's, it's not betraying the people who have done the right thing. People who are succeeding, it's because they understand and they're willing to your point, put, put in that time like you did when you were younger. Um, I look at anybody who covers politics to go out on the campaign trail and you're doing hits on the morning shows and you're doing, you know, hits all night long on your network's evening shows. Mm -hmm. That's a, you're, you are really, you are catnapping during the day. That's how, that's how you get where you go. I want to go back and ask, well, okay, wait, I have to jokingly go, okay, rule breaker. Did either of your kids ever throw that one at you? Well, you're a rule breaker, mom. You believe in breaking rules. What about us breaking rules? That's really funny. Um, (laughs) No, I think my my kids are like unbelievably funny when it comes to all of that stuff. And we have very strict rules in our family. Yeah, I know that. Um, (laughs) My husband was really tough. I was a lot more lenient, but Ron would say, they're not home by Mm 10.50. I said 11. Mm -hmm. If it's 11.05, they're grounded. I'm like, are you serious? Like they called, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, a coach is not going to tell them it's okay to be late for practice. So you have to practice all of that at home. So I'm a little bit more lenient uh, when it comes to that than Ron. But, you know, one thing that I heard not too long ago is uh, the boys talking to their best friends and saying, we used to be really, really scared of our dad, but now he's our best friend. So I think it really kind of came in full circle that he really was a little military uh, about certain things. Now he was traveling all over the country. So it was really me and the boys for 
all those times that Ronnie was on the road with Madden and Fox Sports. And so we had our own life for a long time. And then he came home and we're like, oh no, like we'd have to go like in and out burger. Okay, mom is leaving. When dad goes to sleep, I'll meet you guys in the garage. <laughs> like they, they can't eat that. They're in training right now for football. I'm like, oh, you know, no, we're like, they, we would, we would break a lot of the rules. So we did kind of break some of those rules, but not anything too dangerous. They were okay, more that's dangerous. hilarious. On the other hand though, there, I, I use a lot of sports metaphors myself in my, in my coaching. And, but one of the things too, on a practical level, when it comes to talent is, and if you're young is to understand um, the show starts when the show starts rehearsal, we show up to work and that the, there are, you can transfer those, those rules and those concepts. And so yeah, the show starts at 10. It doesn't start at 10.05. Right. And you, you know, and, and there's a lot of, if you're on time, you're late. Yeah. So early, no, I, right? I, don't have, I, I don't have too many clients who just kind of do that. I mean, like, for example, I, we just had a really important meeting the other day. I represent Garcelle Bavo, who's on Real Housewives. She's on The Real. And we have overall deal with them with NBC. And then we did a podcast and then we did a book and all this, all this fun stuff. And so one of the things I told her is we had a really important meeting and everybody at the company was on this call. And I said, let me tell you, that doesn't happen that often, but here's the deal. You have grace, you are kind, you say thank you. Like people really like to work with you. And I said that at the end of the day will get you really, really far. I remember even Tom Bergeron used to buy like not buy, but have parties for the staff and take care of people. Um, Phil Kogan is another person. I mean, I can go on and on. There's not too many clients that I represent and represented who just didn't have a grace about them that people really wanted to work for them. And I said, look, at the end of the day, if your show's on the bubble and you're really kind, they're going to remember all those things that you did. And it will probably get pushed through if it can, because people do like cheerleaders they like people that they love to work with and and that grace you know about the talent you can tell because middle america can tell a lot mm -hmm. more than you think they can there were years ago it was like reading copy and these beautiful people and now it's all about the voice and the authenticity and as i say all the time on the talent front it's about authenticity likability and credibility do i like this person is this person authentic is this person credible? Because it's really important for someone that's going to take an hour out of their day to watch somebody that they're getting something back, like news you can use or something like that. So that voice is what's so important today. And that's what people are really, really paying attention to. And that's why middle America can't really be fooled anymore because they really can tell. So when that guy is smiling and that guy or that woman is smiling and they're showing warmth and kindness it's really coming from the heart and then when they're not they can tell that too so that's what's different i think about our business than than years ago so what do you look for when you're signing talent now what and what wows you oh god you've seen it all i i, I honestly think you have to be careful that in the first minute or 30 seconds that you get that person's attention because like my attention span, like when I email, I, like when, when people write stories when they email, that is not me. Mine is yes, no, great, 
No, I mean, it's so simple. There are one words and people think I'm rude, but I'm not rude. I'm just like so focused and I could not do sentences after sentence. Like, if you cannot tell someone that information in one word, then, you know, less is more. And the same thing on the talent front. Okay, now I used to see those music and all the great excitement and all the different things that you do. And then, but it's like, I need to see you. I need to see you in the first 30 seconds. And I want to see your eyes and your smile. And sometimes if you turn down the volume and you actually look at the talent, in fact, Ed Gorin, um, the former president of Fox Sports taught me when he looks at talent, sometimes he doesn't even have the volume on. And I'm like, that is really something because something has to pop out and get you your attention. And then you go into what they're actually saying. Who's that great storyteller? You know, because storytelling is super important. Again, it's not the message, it's how you deliver the message. And so I think that it's so incredibly, I mean, for me, it just, look, I want to help everyone. That's another problem that I have because I can kill myself sometimes with this because, you know, especially if someone loses their job or an executive or a talent or something, and you know that, you're still working, which is a really big deal through this pandemic and how incredibly grateful all of us are that still are working. But I know that I have the ability to help people and I have a hard time saying no, but I have to be really good at that because like, it is just, it's just the nature of my personality. But I can tell you straight up, you have to get my attention in 30 seconds because my attention span is not great. And then you also want to be careful as to not put other people's tape on your tape, because it might be that you pass on that talent, but you're like, well, that co-host was really, really good. So people have to be really careful with that, because that's happened on so many occasions where I really liked who was on the other side of the tape, not necessarily the person who sent the tape. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's such a subjective business, right? Like when, I, when I'm like in love with someone or a story and I can't believe that other people don't see it my way, I'm very competitive. Oh my God, like what don't, how do you not see this? And so instead of saying no, I keep going. And sometimes I irritate the crime and the other people because I'm like, I'm not going to stop because I'm right. In a lot of these, I have, I mean, like I have a track record of finding really good talent. And um, I think that I, I do know this, that when we send a show idea, because we sell shows too, we have shows on the air that we've been developing with some of our talent. And when I think that there's such an incredible concept, like the history of Black comedy, I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, there's no Kevin Hart without this story. There's no any Tommy Davidson without this story. There's no David Allen Greer without this story. And they're like, well, we've heard this pitch before. I'm like, no, you have not heard this pitch before because this is how it happened. And then three years later, it finally gets made. Or someone like Phil Kogan, it took him 10 years to sell Tough as Nails. I mean, he came to me with that concept 10 years ago. And then finally, during the pandemic, it's being in the right place at the right time and knowing what to do with it. That's another part of talent. To close out on that, Babette, I love it because, first of all, to remind people, incredibly successful brand name talent, it's, ne it's never a slam dunk, right? It's, and so, so much has to do with timing, but it also, that goes right back to the Angela Duckworth definition of grit because it also involves perseverance. 
everything. And it is so much about playing the long game. It's it, it you can't be in for the short run for anything. You have to be in for the long run. And in fact, when I'm representing talent, if I'm signing you and I believe in you, it's because I really think I can sell you. But that doesn't mean that it's going to happen in six months or a year. I mean, I've had talent stay with me for a long. I mean, here's a good example: Rachel Campos Duffy. I mean, she was on the Real World. She was up for the View every single time you could be up for the View, and they went with another talent. And then she was a contributor on Fox News. And then I'm like, what do you not see here? And then I'm not kidding. I can't tell you how many years later. And now she's got her big break. And now she's a huge, super success story. But that is like, we never gave up on each other. You there know? you go. Never gave up. She didn't give up on me. I didn't give up on her. Giselle Fernandez is another great story. And there's so many great stories. But Giselle is somebody who was out of work. And she just got this job a couple of years ago at Spectrum, this new news organization, and has been winning every single award as broadcaster of the year. So you just can't give up on the talent and hopefully they don't give up on you. There you go. Sometimes. <laughs> ah, that oh, bet. J'adore you. This is great. I hope you'll come back sometime. Yeah, no, I love you. And I mean, <laughs> we didn't get to talk about this, but like we did grow up together in this business you got married I got married you had child I had a child but you know I just never for I guess the most funnest fact about you most fun fact I should say about you was how excited you were to get married and to make dinner and have a family and I'm like I want to do that too like I'm excited about making dinner too but I'm not sure my dinners were probably as good as yours but I remember how I, it just it stays in my heart, Barbie. Like I <laughs> remember when you got married and you said, I can't wait to make dinner. <laughs> and I thought, God, that's the cutest thing ever. And then I, you know, I wanted to emulate you that way. So I'm still making dinner. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you, Babette. You're so welcome. You're awesome. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you are interested in learning how you or your team can develop more grit, passion, and resolve, please shoot me a note via my website, ableintermedia.com. I would love to discuss it with you. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.